Welcome to the Heart of Life podcast. We're Jesse and Brooke, two therapists and friends, sharing our lived stories and creating an unscripted space for healing. We hope this podcast empowers our listeners to find freedom and bravery through examining the heart of life with curiosity and permission. While this isn't a substitute for therapy, we believe that you'll find healing, belonging, and your own invitation into becoming. Welcome back. In this episode, we're going to be talking about awakenings, what that means, what it looks like, and the different ways that we approach maybe moments that feel unapproachable to us, Mm. and then how we begin to move through that with vulnerability and connection. Yeah. I love the, well, the way that we got to this idea of awakenings was, you know, you and I were discussing previously house guests you read roomies what's it called house guest guest house the guest house um in our last episode and it got us thinking about who or what comes to stay with us right and those for me have been awakening moments um and I got to thinking too and maybe this kind of anchors me in this conversation I frequently from the narrative approach ask my clients tell me about something you love about yourself like a trait you have or an ability you have or some aspect of your identity that you really appreciate or love. And then I ask them when it developed. And I know already that the answers are going to be in times where there was a house guest that maybe they did not want to have. Mm-hmm. Most of our um, refining moments, I guess I would call them. Like I, I love my bravery most. And it was developed by times that were really hard to be brave in and that were really painful and where bravery was a choice and I was cracking open to something. Mm -hmm. So that anchors me in this conversation of like, okay, can I look at pain as awakening? Yeah. Another Rumi quote, right? The I should read Rumi because I feel like I... (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not even going to quote it right, but... But Rumi talks about the, the, the crack, the, the break is the place where the light mm. enters, right? This, this awakening, this moving into a new place and space in your life. And often that comes in times of disappointment, in times of trauma, in times of pain. Yeah. Um, and, and this is not the conversation where we say everything happens for a reason. I don't want to ever have that conversation, <laughs> actually. I am incapable of having that conversation. <laughs> yeah. It is to say, though, that in even in our most painful s- seasons, especially then, there is a part of us that still is able to choose to move forward. Yeah. Right? There is a part of us that can choose to uh, f- follow mm. or move toward. Yeah. Um, just the, the hope for hope or that little pinpoint of light on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, so I want to be really cautious as we go through this, that even as we're saying that some of our, some of the things that we are most proud of in terms of who we are and how we are in the world come in those times. It is, uh, 
a result of our resilience and our determination and not because something really terrible happened to us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, what we were able to become in spite of what could have been crushing. Right. How maybe was crushing. Right. How we, how we learned, um, to see ourselves or see the world. And, you know, in in that trauma informed perspective, sometimes how we learn to be in the trauma, um, we have to unwind from that. Mm. And in the unwinding from that, we find that we also developed this strong sense of self or courage or bravery or resilience or any of those things. So it is tangled and complicated Mm -hmm. and it also serves as awakening moments. Yeah. How would you, how would you define an awakening moment or what would your description of that be? Um, I think that it's something that happens that is, that is so intense or profound that our previous ways of dealing with stress or life or whatever no longer work for us. Mm. And we have to find a different way. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and I can only like, and I I, honestly can only define it in terms of how I've experienced Mm -hmm. awakenings. Um, but one that is coming to mind right now is Prior to my divorce, my way of dealing with my world, the community I was a part of, the people, all of those things, was to be hypervigilant about how I was perceived, mm-hmm. right? And to always like worry about how someone was going to think about something that I did and to, to really <laughs> manage myself and and the story. Uh, and then this thing happened where I was no longer in control of the story. Mm. I, I, there was nothing that I could do. I lived in this tiny, small town. It was, the story was out there and it was outside of my control. And that was incredibly painful and at times very embarrassing Um, and shaming. Like I felt all the really terrible things that you feel in trauma. Yeah. And I had to let go of that. I had to, I I could no longer hold on to this former way of being or belief or narrative. If I wanted to get up and go to the grocery store. Right. (laughs) Right. If I wanted to, to just live. And so Little by little, I released myself from that narrative and and woke up to the reality of who I am in the world, regardless of how someone else perceives me. Does that mean that I like never care? No, <laughs> that still shows up, but it has um, significantly less power yeah. over me. It's so interesting as you describe that because even when you first defined awakening awakening moments and then described one of your most impactful both times I was like that's crisis Mm -hmm. right and I mean truly in clinical settings where I've worked before and you've worked before (laughs) word for word that's the definition of crisis which is everything I know to do is no longer working Mm -hmm. it is so powerful and profound 
of a reframe to think of crisis moments as awakening moments. And again, nobody is saying, don't be worried about this. Look for the learning. Like we're (laughs) not saying that. No. And to be honest, I wasn't looking for the learning. No, I didn't wake up and think, I just can't think that way anymore. I just couldn't think that way anymore. Yeah, almost desperation. And it required courage. It required to go out into my community or go to my church or go to different places, knowing there was this narrative out there that I could not control and still deciding to show up. Yeah. But that wasn't uh, a conscious, like, this is is a moment where I'm going to really learn about myself. It, it felt like crisis. Yeah. And looking back now, I see that that was the beginning of many awakenings for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. A time <clears throat> that I've talked about on the podcast before was when I was in immense grief, relational loss, um, several years ago. I remember like waiting to get home. Like, it was like, I just need to get home from work and have it be late enough that I can go to sleep, which by then was like 7 p.m., right? Mm-hmm. I just need to be able to go to sleep so that there's not as much life that I have to experience awake. And it was like, I was pulling for podcasts and, and sermons and conversations with my mom, like anything I could kind of grasp onto to just make it through the next one. And it was, it was truly this crisis time of like my, my body's falling apart, my, my heart, my everything. It was such a, um, it was such a painful time. But when I think about who I am today, all of me, as I know her now, most of me, as I know her now was born in that fire. I, I don't know that I would actually opt into doing it again. Like, I'm not sure I would say, yeah, I would do it all over again to become who I've become. I don't know that I'm actually that brave enough to re-endure that pain, but I'm, I'm grateful for it. And I'm glad that I was able to do it because it was an awakening. Mm -hmm. But this moment you're describing of like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like I distinctly have this moment where I was sitting on my couch at my little one bedroom apartment and I just said to myself, like, I can't, and I didn't have Jeffrey at the time, which that's why I wasn't okay, right? I was like, I can't feel this way for much longer. Like, this isn't sustainable. It's going to take me out. And in that moment was when I was finally able to say, okay, I don't know what it's going to look like, but it can't look like this, mm-hmm. right? I can't let this overtake me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I... And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I suppose there are some situations where people recognize that it's an awakening moment in sure. that time, but I don't, I don't know that that happens very often. I think it's usually later on that we have this sense of, and then something opened up, Yeah. right? And then I opened up and I, I felt differently or every day got a little bit easier for me to move into spaces where I once yeah. felt unsure. Um, and I guess for me that just, I, because that has happened so many times in my life now, not always in crisis, 
sometimes in crisis, Mm -hmm. but sometimes just in moments like I described in the last podcast of recognizing that I did not say what I really truly wanted to say. Mm. It wasn't crisis, but it was pain. Yeah. And, and having this opening of, okay, I'm going to do that differently. Mm. I, I, I don't want to be so afraid of pain that I don't say what's on my heart. Right. So, so we have these, these big moments and we have these smaller moments, but they're all awakening moments. If we are open to that, you know, I think it's, I think it's Ram Das who says everything is our teacher if we will allow it to be. Hmm. And, and I really believe that. And again, that's not a silver lining of things. Some, some teachers are very, very hard and painful. Yeah. And there's also something for us to understand about who we want to be and how we want to be in mm-hmm. the world. That statement you made, I think, is just worth repeating. You, you said, I don't want to be so afraid of pain that I don't speak my heart, mm-hmm. that I don't say what's on my heart. That's really the decision in an awakening moment, I think. And and I agree with you when we're in when we're in the turmoil or we're in the suffering or we're even just in this like very numb space that has the potential to eventually be seen as awakening, we don't know in the moment. I think it just feels shitty. Mm-hmm. Like I think we just it just doesn't feel good or we don't feel known or seen or understood. And I think it's in the reflection of that. And it's I heard this morning Someone say, I don't want to distance myself ever too far from past versions of myself because she had wisdom too. Mm -hmm. And I love that idea. Yeah. Right? Like whoever you are in this moment is going to be a wise teacher to future you. Mm -hmm. And future you will be a wise teacher to the future them. Right? Right. But that idea of like, stay, stay with this moment. Stay with who you are in this moment because even if right now it feels like complete and total chaos. There is something here and you don't have to see it yet. Mm-hmm. You just have to stick in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I guess going back to my comment from before, I've had enough now that in moments where I, it's hard for me to see a few steps ahead of me or I'm really lost in the story of what this means. right? What it means about me or other people or the world. There's enough experience now to step back enough as an observer and say, yes, yes to all of this. This is hard. This is painful. And you also know that you never know the end of the story, Mm -hmm. right? We, you don't know where this is taking you. Yeah. And that's hard. Like, you know, even now I I find that I can lie in bed and get really sucked into a story (laughs) about whatever I'm experiencing. Um, But those awakening moments serve as, uh, well, the, the image that's coming to my mind is when we're on really flat ground, it's hard for us to see where we're going mm-hmm. right it's hard for us to understand especially if it's a wooded space all we can see is the path in front of us yeah but when we have those awakening moments it gives some elevation to yeah. our experience 
And Mm. so now I still might have to walk on that path in front of me, but because of what I've been through and because of what I've learned and because of the wisdom of former versions of me to let go of what no longer worked, Mm -hmm. I can see further down the path. Yeah. It's not as scary. I'm able to step back and say, that story that you're telling about the monster, look, there's no monster. Yeah. Just keep moving. Yeah. Right? You can see further. You can see clearer. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. I, I wonder where, what role connection has played in awakening for you? Connection with people. Connection. Yeah. The the immediate thing that comes to mind actually is that uh, I was overly dependent on connection mm. before yeah um, that awakening moment I was overly dependent on how other people saw me or the validation of other people and telling me that I was good or right or worthy or any of those things yeah and so the awakening moment actually served as a connection to me. Mm coming back to what I knew to be true about me and what I wanted to work on or change or understand better about myself, which then I think allowed me to connect more authentically to other people um, because I wasn't working so hard to manage image. Yeah. Uh, so, So I actually, I think that in as I'm kind of going through the the catalog of really big awakening moments, they have all been moments where whatever is happening has said, you cannot put so much of who you are out here. Mm. You have to come home. Mm. And that has been really painful because sometimes the places where I'm putting myself are with people I deeply love. Yeah. But each one has been connect home yeah. first, yeah. come back here, and then find your way into authentic and genuine connection. Yeah. I think, I think for me, really similarly, the, I, I really love being by myself. I love it. I love introversion. I love solitude. I love all of it. Like what is most people's worst nightmares would probably feel like a vacation for me. (laughs) (laughs) And yet in my pain, I think connection has been, it's almost inverse of what you're describing. Like my internal world, I have spent so much time in there that sometimes I can feel claustrophobic or I'm, um, I'm not able to bring anything new into the knowing of my inner world because it's all me. And so the connection for me has been essential in those times, particularly to have connection with safety or connection with somebody or somebody's who don't know me. Um, so there's no baseline, right? Like mm-hmm. they don't know this is Jesse going through a breakup or this is Jesse mm-hmm. in deep grief or deep pain. This mm-hmm. is just this new person named Jesse, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that connection has been really helpful for me because it has had to, it has forced me to be present with and remember who I am outside of my pain, Mm -hmm. right? That all, all along this other part of life is also existing. Yeah. 
And then it gives me new information to be, to bring back home to myself too. Right. Right. The, the story that you are so deeply in right now is not the whole story. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I, it is true. There are, there are moments where, because it was so heavy, what I was carrying in different awakening moments, I had, I had to ask for help in ways that I have not before. Um, and sometimes I just had to receive help. I wasn't even capable of asking for it. I just had to receive it. Mm-hmm. And those serve as awakenings too, because when you are where I was, which is in managing the perception and the narrative, to allow help or to say I need help disrupts all of that mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, I think I think that's true. You know, one of the things though, as I navigate moments of crisis, of pain, of awakenings with my clients is that often, um, it can, it can feel lonely, but it can also feel so expansive that we want to talk about that. We want to tell everybody what's happening. Yeah. Um, and, and like you said, maybe there are some people that can hold that and hear that. Um, but let's talk a little bit about how we navigate that in connection, because I think all of us know of people or have been that person who has said, here's what happening, happening, blah, 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 blah. We're like all of the things and we're watching the horror of <laughs> the person in front of us who is either trying to stay present and horrified or is like, you're watching them exit yeah right they're they're no longer there um and so let's let's talk a little bit about how we navigate that Mm -hmm. uh, how we find connection how we ask for help how we process through something like that and still remember that other people need to consent to that yeah yeah the the consent piece is the biggest for me in that idea is when we have awakenings let's say let's say separate from crises or adjacent to where it's like um like deconstruction faith Mm -hmm. deconstruction spiritual awakening everybody in our circle didn't consent to us having that awakening and so they may not be as able to hold space for that really tender thing we're cultivating as we would hope Mm -hmm. And it's really important to know that. I think that it's very rare that people intentionally harm awakenings in others or diminish them. And when that is happening, I think it's usually because we cannot give someone else what we aren't willing to give ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I can't give you freedom of exploration if I have not also gifted that to me first. Mm -hmm. Your exploration will feel dangerous. Your awakening will feel threatening and dangerous to me. Right. Or, or even your wound, right? Like right. you don't even have to be exploring yet, but sometimes if we're not, if we are not capable of recognizing our own woundedness, we're not going to be able to sit with someone else's. Exactly. Or it'll, or it'll feel, um, I've watched this before that like someone seeking support during a really tough season or in suffering, there's this, this contagion fear, mm-hmm. right? 
And if that person isn't really prepared to support us, then we might actually be walking into something that feels harmful and intentionally Mm -hmm. because we've unloaded on a support that is either traumatized from the last time they supported someone or themselves, right? Or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like we, we end up flooding them and then we reinforce this idea that I can't ask for help or I can't seek support. Or that I'm wrong or bad or, or I shouldn't feel this know, way. Whatever whatever those things are. I think the other part of this too is it is very difficult for us to talk about something that we don't completely understand yet. The, that's exactly like Yes. Uh or that, or that we don't have, a, I guess completely understand isn't fair because we may never completely understand something. Sure. But when we're in the beginning phases of awakening or expansion or, you know, whatever it is, a shift in our worldview, there are more questions than there are answers. And it's a very, very tender, tender, tender place. Yeah. And there will be people who can meet us there because they've navigated this, maybe not in the same place, but in, in their life somehow. And there will be people who m- may want to hear initially or who we may want to talk to about it. But when we're in that space of so many questions, we can actually walk away feeling wounded um, or unheard uh, or worse. Or interrogated. Right. Yeah, it's um, like I'm thinking about, you know, we've talked on this podcast before about the little tender seedlings that we're, we're nourishing and we're, we're holding. And we have to expose them to some degree, to air, to wind, whatever. But we also, when we are working on healing something or nourishing something or helping something, it's essential for us to know who can contribute to that and who can't. And we're going to misstep. Mm-hmm. We're going to overshare here or there or whatever and have our feelings hurt or like, ooh, ooh. and then we're going to find some wise source, you know, or wise sources. And we'll be like, oh, that feels much better. And it's, it's all part of the awakening. Yes. Um, <clears throat> how do you know? How do you know that you have found someone that you can bring that the tender questions to? I when I when I think about that question, I think I I think I kind of assess it for quite a bit before I ask. Because I've had experiences before where I have brought tender questions and been met with something that has hurt. Mm -hmm. And so part of what I'm thinking about is, can I see in this person that I'm about to hopefully gain access to or support from, do I see in them that they may have had similar awakening or do I, do I experience them as somebody having had awakening, even if it's not like my own, um, I'm also, if I'm super honest with you, I'm testing and kind of assessing rigidity in them. Because mm-hmm. I think there's there are lots of people in my life that don't believe similarly to me, but that are really non-judgmental and very open that I can bring a lot of things to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also am checking, I'm checking in with myself to just really gauge how tender the thing is. If it's super duper tender, 
my therapist is probably really the only one that's going to hear about it other than me mm-hmm. until it grows a little. And then I'm going to go into my next circle, which is my close, close friends. And then my next circle, mm-hmm. if it even ends up needing to go to those places. Right. If it ends up needing to yeah. go there. Right. So, and often it doesn't. Right. Yeah. And I would, I would add that it's okay to ask. We've yeah. talked before about, you know, we can give people a blueprint. Yeah. And so it is okay to say, I'm navigating this and I'd like to talk about it, but I'm not looking for answers mm-hmm. and I'm not looking for feedback. I, I just need a place for these things to be outside of me and somewhere else. And, and there will be people in our orbit who can say, yeah, tell me what's going on with you mm. and recognize that we're not asking for a fix yeah. or an answer. Or we're not asking them to change and yeah. be like us. Yeah. And and there will be people who, if we ask that, will know right away. Oh yeah, like that they're not they're not able to consent to the thing that I need. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's a it's a fair and connected and uh, intimate way to engage in conversation with somebody. And I think too, like I've, I've heard the phrasing before that like healthy relationships are relationships that have space for everyone to grow. Mm -hmm. I really, truly believe that. And sometimes growth looks like I can't actually help you with that because it's too tender for me. Right. Or I don't have answers for that and I'm afraid to look at it or I just don't have bandwidth. That's also growth because it's clear. Growth looks like honesty. Yeah. Right. Often in relationships, we, I think because of, uh, internet therapy, like TikTok therapy, (laughs) we, we think that someone needs to grow at the same rate we're growing. And all of that is in quotations, right? Yep. That if I'm making this progress, you too need to be making that progress or you're not growing, you're stagnant. And I'm, that is, that is not it. No. That's just more rigidity. Mm-hmm. Growth is honesty, it's flexibility, it's making space for everyone's process. And that, that does mean that there are people who are not going to be able to meet us in that place, but it is growth and wisdom to understand that. Yeah. And instead of seeing them as somebody who's stuck and incapable, just noticing that they're somewhere else on that, uh, on that growth journey. And that's okay. Well, in our work in... I learned this from Jeannie, our colleague at Riverbend. She shared this with me recently that our work when we find ourselves to be the more awakened person is to, our project then becomes how to be non-judgmental of everyone else's pace. Mm-hmm. And when you really, for me, when I really start to look at that, like, ooh, girl, <laughs> you've got some work <laughs> to do because it feels really good to be like, I have awakened, I'm expanded, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, how judgmental are you though? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> What does it mean when you think you're the most awakened person <laughs> in the room? Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Is it really what you think it means? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. We're out of time, but I want to share a quote by Irvin Yalom that um, talks about awakening, yeah. right? And he says, I urge you not to distract yourself from this pain. Instead, savor awakening and take advantage of it. Mm. We read it again. Yeah. He says, I urge you not to distract yourself from this pain. Instead, savor awakening and take advantage of it. 
I just hope that who listens to our podcast, like really hears that and writes it on their mirror if they're in a season of pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what does it mean to savor it? It doesn't mean to enjoy it. No. It means like if I'm talking about what it means to savor a meal, it is to taste all the individual ingredients. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. To to notice all of the components of something that have created where yeah. I am or what I'm experiencing or what I'm tasting. And so in this, it doesn't mean savor it as enjoy it. This is the best thing that ever happened to you. It is be present, be aware, notice all the ingredients that are here, not yeah. just the pain, but the person who's showing up to listen or the way that you're thinking about yourself or the things mm-hmm. that you're discarding that no longer work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll see you soon. Bye. We hope you're enjoying listening to the podcast as much as we love creating it. And we'd love to hear from you about your lived story. What are you examining and learning? Who are you becoming? Our podcast is sponsored by Riverbend Counseling in Colorado Springs. Following along with us on Instagram at Riverbend Therapy will allow you to engage more fully with the content of our episodes. There you'll find reflective questions, challenges, and community. If you appreciate this podcast, consider leaving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform, or better yet, share it with people you think might benefit from the work here. Thank you.